Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. As you're standing, if you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 11. We read the first part of chapter 11 last week. Uh, We'll uh, finish it out uh, this week. Reading verses 47 through 57. I'll go back as we start the message and give the context for the beginning of the passage, but we'll just start reading in verse 47. The word of the Lord says to us, Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it is expedient for you that one man die for the people, and that the whole nation not perish. Now he did not say this on his own initiative, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, and not only for the nation, and not for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather together into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they planned together to kill him. Therefore, Jesus no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews, but went away from there to the country near the wilderness and to a city called Ephraim. And there he stayed with his disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was near and Many went up to Jerusalem out of the country before the Passover to purify themselves. So they were seeking for Jesus and were saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he was to report it so that they might seize him. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for the public reading of Scripture, and we pray your blessings uh, upon the preached word this morning. We're grateful for your kindness and mercy upon us, Lord, and we pray today that through uh, your grace and mercy that you would apply this word to our heart. Uh, Thank you, Lord, again for your presence that is here. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, before you're seated, if you will, share a hand of fellowship. And greet one another in the name of the Lord. John chapter 11, uh, verses 47 through 57, give us a snapshot of what was going on toward the end of Jesus' life. As I mentioned to you uh, last week, sort of opening up uh, this passage in uh, John is that this is really uh, 11 and 12 really are transitional moments in John's gospel, kind of from detailing and identifying the ministry that Jesus did at the, at the beginning of his uh, time in ministry. And then the last, the, the whole rest of the gospel of John is really dedicated to uh, that last week of Jesus's life, what Jesus was doing. So John has a real 
keen interest in what was happening and what was going on uh, there at the end to point to Jesus as the Messiah. In chapter 11, we have the death of uh, Lazarus. Lazarus had died, and we talked about last week how Jesus could have done a myriad of things in order to prevent Lazarus from dying. His power was sure that he could have healed, this, healed him as a sick man. Uh, he could have uh, prevented him from dying, but Jesus said it was expedient that, uh, that Lazarus die. He was glad that Lazarus had died for the sake of those who were looking on, and four days after Lazarus' death, Jesus goes to the tomb at that point, raises him uh, from the dead, and this is really what gets Jesus in trouble with the religious leaders. He was already in trouble uh, with the religious leaders, but this is kind of what sealed his fate, that uh, there was now truly a death sentence against the Lord. And we read that happening here in verses 47 through 57. In our day, uh, particularly when we are hearing all this news about the war in Ukraine and what is going on uh, there, we hear about you know, an election season that's coming up. Uh, this fall and other things, our minds can tend to be consumed at times, uh, particularly if you turn on the news or you're uh, reading the newspaper or something along those lines, your mind can be consumed with the politics of the day. And uh, we wonder, is there a plan in all of that? Is there really something uh, that we can discern in what is going on uh, in our world through all of these political back and forth and the, the, the backbiting, the one, some pulling one way, some pulling another way. What is going on? And, and what I think we see here in verses 47 through 57 is that God is able to work a plan through politics. God is able to work a plan through politics. This situation with regards to Jesus was certainly a political one, and the religious leaders were playing political games. If you want to define politics properly, it's the use of intrigue or strategy in obtaining any position of power or control. And that's exactly what the religious leaders wanted to do. They wanted to maintain their power and control over people. You would think that people who understood the scriptures who had read the scriptures, studied the scriptures, learned the scriptures, most of them from very, very young ages, that when Jesus came on the scene, they would begin connecting the dots with the prophetic words that were given and realize that this man is not just someone who is claiming to be someone who is actually nobody, but he truly is someone. He truly is someone who has authority and has power. If we're really to look at the works that he's doing and we see, you know, he's healing the sick, he's opening the blind eyes, he's healing the lame, he's doing all these things that prophecy says that the Messiah is going to do. And now here's someone who is verifiably dead in the tomb, wrapped in grave clothes. The tomb is shut, was dead in the tomb, that he's been called out of the tomb and been raised from the dead. And what do the political leaders want to do? do except but kill Jesus and kill Lazarus too. Because they are so bent on keeping their power. They wanted to keep their position. They wanted to maintain the status quo of leading the Jews and appeasing the Romans. And yet Jesus 
throws a wrench in their plans because he did more than talk. There's nothing worse than just a politician who just talks. In fact, when it comes to election season, why do we vote? We vote because we want to see some action. They talk ahead of time and we kind of pull the lever or uh, uh, push the button or however it is that you vote. We do that hoping that that talk turns into action in some way according to how we think that these people are going to act. But the Jews were intent on maintaining the status quo and Jesus indeed threw a wrench in their plans because he did much more than talk. He acted. He was doing what the political leaders could not do themselves. He was advancing the kingdom of God. And the politics of the ruling class were powerless in the face of God's plan. The religious leaders, they desired power from, for themselves. You see in the scriptures that they say, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Allowing this guy to do these miracles, these mighty signs that are drawing people after him. The Romans will take, a play, take away our place and our nation. See, their concern was not what God was doing, their main concern was what they wanted to happen for their glory and not God's glory. In one of the Gospels, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and he says, in reference to their belief on him, he says, how can you believe when you are seeking glory from one another and not the glory that comes from the one and only God. In other words, when you're seeking the pat on the back from someone else, when you're doing things to be lifted up by someone else, when your motive and your goal is to come along and have somebody say, oh, good job, proud of you, glad you're doing it. No, we all kind of like that, don't we? But when we're seeking glory from man, that our belief is diminished. How can you believe when you're seeking glory from one another and not the glory that comes from the one and only God. And that's exactly what these religious leaders were doing. It was impossible for them to believe because they were seeking glory for themselves. We have to be careful in our life that we are not trying to work against the Lord thinking we know what's best. Oh, this is what we ought to do. This is how it ought to happen. I've done this many, many times, and this is the way that it needs to happen. This is exactly the way that we need to do it. Sometimes it's important for us to learn to rest in the circumstances that God has presented to us. You see, in this particular scenario, when we look at the sovereignty of God, that even in this political situation, or those who have evil intentions are rulers. God sovereignly works through those people, even when they have evil intention. Amen. It's wrong for us to say that God only uses faithful people. There are many examples in Scripture of God using wicked people to accomplish his plan. We only need to look to the one that most of us know, but Pharaoh. 
God used him to accomplish his plan of the exodus of the Jews out of Egypt. Wicked people can cause lots of pain and lots of hardship, but they cannot thwart God's plan for his church or for you individually. Wicked people can seek to kind of uh, work their own will and their own plan, but God will sovereignly direct his plan through all of that and even use them to accomplish his plan. So when you're facing circumstances or people and you wonder, God, where are you? Realize that we serve a God that sovereignly works through even circumstances, situations, and wickedness that we say we don't understand. But God says, I am working for my own glory. Psalm 37, 1 through 3 says, do not get upset because of evildoers. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and decay like the green plants. Trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. You see, that is our role and that is our part. In the midst of a world that at some time seems has gone haywire, gone mad, and we don't understand why people are saying the things that they do, and wrong now is right, and right now is wrong, and we don't know even how to speak or how to say certain things, that God is at work. What you and I must do is remain and be faithful. This is why it's important for you and I to know the word of the Lord and to apply it to our life, to study the scriptures, to show ourselves approved unto God, to know what the word of the Lord says so that we can walk it out faithfully in the face of a world that says, oh, no, this is right. This is the way you ought to go. When God's word is saying, no, I want you to walk over here. I want you to be faithful. We have to be careful. If you have a baby and you're to take that baby at a certain age, you may do something like in front of that baby, hold the baby, and you may go, <coughs> not during times of COVID, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you may just hold the baby and go, and what will the baby do? <coughs> and respond. You may wave your hand. And what does the baby do in response? They begin to try to wave and mimic. From the very earliest ages, we're called to look and to mimic at what we see. That's just kind of the wiring within us, how God has wired us to be. Which is why the little song that says, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a reason for that song. Because we have... In our day, I don't have my phone, but so many images that are just right there in front of us telling us how you should think, how you should act, how you should respond. You turn on and you watch a movie and it tells you how you should be a husband, how you should be a wife, how you should love, how you should hate, how you should fight. And what do we do? 
we mimic what we see. And we say, oh, that's just stuff, you know, that's just, no, it's not. And what happens is we begin to look at those things and we begin to admire those things and hold up those things. All the while, God's word is calling us to a different kind of faithfulness. A different kind of faithfulness that says in a husband and wife relationship, yes, love is an emotion, but love is also a commitment. And you can't simply give up that commitment before the Lord that you made when you find, oh, I fell out of love. What does that even mean? What does it even mean to say that I've fallen out of love? How does that happen? It doesn't happen if you're in Christ. What happens when you're in Christ is you make a commitment. You make a commitment to someone. You say, I am with you until the end. I am with you. I'm going to stand with you. And I am going to love you. And there's many other things that we could say or we could do with regards to that. But when we look at the world around us and we see the wickedness that is happening, we have to realize that even through that wickedness, we cannot become cynical. We must realize that God is sovereignly working a plan. And there will come a day when the Lord Jesus Christ does split the sky in wonderful glory and we will see him with our own eyes and if even as job said though the skin worms devour my flesh though with my own eyes i will look upon the lord jesus in the face of this political climate was strategic and Verse 54, it says, Therefore Jesus no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews, but went away from there to the country near the wilderness into a city called Ephraim. And there he stayed with the disciples. In the face of those leaders who were against him, I believe that Jesus was very strategic. He knew when his time was going to come, and this was not it. He no longer continued to walk publicly among the Jews, but he stayed in the country with his disciples. He remained in control of himself and of his own destiny. And when faced with evil and challenging situations, you and I must realize that sometimes it is necessary for us to withdraw to what is faithful and familiar. Sometimes when the battle is hot in our life, it's important for us to withdraw to what is faithful and what is familiar. Jesus continued to serve and fulfill his mission among friends. He moved closer to those who loved him. Even among the disciples, they were not all in agreement with how things, they didn't, they didn't fully understand God's plan. They weren't completely in agreement with how everything should unfold, nor did they fully understand everything that Jesus was going through, yet Jesus retreated into the company of those who loved him and who he loved very deeply. And sometimes in our life, it is necessary to be strategic in our spiritual walk before the Lord. Sometimes you need to withdraw from that toxic situation that doesn't seem to get any better. Nicole and I were going through a season of uh, time a few years ago and uh, weren't quite sure what was happening in that moment. And uh, we had a, a word from a, a brother that we only met once or twice in our life. And one of the 
things that he shared with us during that time. He said, you need to take the shield of faith and just hold it over you and just let the enemy run over. Just let the enemy run over and just take the shield of faith and just rest under the shield of faith. Don't try to combat. Don't try to do any. Just, just rest under the shield of faith. And that is what we did. There's sometimes in life when the battle is happening over here and you and I have to retreat and rest under knowing that our faith is in Christ, but we don't have to fight that toxic situation. Jesus knew the enemy was active, but he was strategic in what he did. And we have to be strategic in knowing when we're called to rest and when we're called to fight. But what happens when you're continually fighting, it causes you to be exhausted and to make mistakes. There are times, even we see in the ministry of our Lord, where he drew away and where he rested. Not always, there were times when he would go off and pray by himself, but often he was in the company of other people. Jesus in raising Lazarus from the dead, had performed one of the most powerful miracles of his ministry. If they did not believe because of that great sign, they would not believe because of continual arguing with the religious leaders. So you can continue to argue a fight over and over and over again, but sometimes you're just not going to win even if you're right. You're not going to win even if you're right. And so withdrawing from that and just letting the Lord handle the battle, let the Lord manage the fight because he is good and gracious and he is able to take care of every difficult situation that we trust to him. We see in verse 55 that the Passover of the Jews, it says, was near and they went up to Jerusalem out of the country before the Passover to purify themselves. Now, the Passover was a, a religious festival that was in Jewish history uh, where the Jews were delivered out of Egypt. Uh, you'll recall uh, from reading the Old Testament that in the night before they were to be delivered out of Egypt, God commanded them to sacrifice a spotless lamb and to take the blood from that lamb and to uh, strike both sides of the door and the lentil of the door. That night, God would send a death angel through Egypt, and the firstborn of everyone who did not have the blood on the door would be killed. And as the death angel passed over Egypt, all the firstborns died, including the firstborn of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh chased out the Israelites out of Egypt, and God ultimately delivered them and led them into the promised land. This is the particular event that's being celebrated here. This is why it's called the Passover, because the death angel passed over the houses that had the blood on the doorpost. And so in, here at the end of uh, John chapter 11, this is the, the Passover that is being celebrated. This is the religious festival that's being celebrated. And the pilgrims were coming up out of the country in order to purify themselves or ready themselves for this particular festival. 
And we see that as they were cleansing themselves, some coming out to purify themselves in order to be ready for the Passover, that it was these religious leaders, those who were to be looked up to, those who were to be held uh, in esteem. It was the religious leaders who had already stained themselves with the plot to kill Jesus. As the people who weren't the religious leaders who maybe didn't know all of the scriptures didn't understand everything as they were being faithful, trying to come and to cleanse themselves. We have these bigwigs in Jerusalem that have already stained themselves with plotting to kill the Lord. In fact, the cleansing of the people, what they were seeking in order to be cleansed, that would only happen on the Passover when Jesus was hung on the cross between heaven and earth, and he cried at 3 p.m., it is finished. The exact time that in the temple, the Passover lamb was also being slain. Our Lord was crying out, it is finished. How God works in a sovereign way through wicked and evil circumstances to bring about his will. Understand this morning that whatever's looking you in the face right now, whatever you see that you wish it wasn't there, whatever person, whatever internal turmoil, whatever challenge, whatever difficulty that you think kind of has a grip on you, understand that God in His sovereignty and in His grace is able to work through it to bring about His personal plan for you for His glory. God has a purpose that will come to pass in your life. Don't continue to just simply look at the negative circumstances. Don't continually look at just that thing that's staring you in the face. But know that even in that wickedness, even in that wrong, even in that evil, even in that bad circumstance, God is able to work through to bring about all things for your good and His glory. And in fact, that is what He is doing right now. Not just that He might do it or that He could do it. Right now, as that circumstance or what is in your mind as you're thinking about it in this moment. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm dealing with. God is working at it. God is using it in order to equip, challenge, change you for his glory. He is using it. So don't think as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call Him by name, if you say He's your Lord, if you say He is your Savior, everything that comes your way, God is able to sovereignly use in order to bring about His plan for your life. And we see this in what we're leading up to and what we're pointing to as we look to the celebration of Easter Sunday, what an entire political, uh, religious system was arrayed against one man. God was still able to work through every step of the way and see his plan come about. The religious leaders who had stains on their garments. When Jesus hung on the cross, figurative stains were seeking his death or sacrificing a lamb in the temple that could never satisfy 
the penalty for sin. And Jesus, outside the city, shed his innocent blood as a once-for-all sacrifice for the cleansing of all mankind. Jesus saw the plan of God through to the end. All of the things that looked like maybe come out of left field or didn't understand God was still working. God was still moving. God wasn't taken off course. Maybe today you've come to church and you've come to church because you want to feel better about yourself or you've come out of religious obligation You've come just because you think maybe it's the right thing to do or maybe you've come because you've lost hope and you don't know where else to go. We all have to wonder on a Sunday morning, why do we come to church? What is our reason and what is our purpose for coming here? I want to come because I want to be in God's presence with God's people. I want to be reassured of God's presence at work in my life because there's times when my knees get a little wobbly. There's times when I wonder, when I think, and I need God's people to stand around and to encourage and to help. The things that have brought you here, maybe there's sin in your life. Maybe you're wrestling with faith in the Lord. Whatever has brought you here this morning, know that God is able to work through that in order to bring you closer to himself. The calling maybe that you have wrestled with. He is here this morning to make that clear. The emotions that you're fighting, he is here to bring peace in your life. That is what the Lord Jesus Christ does. We have hope in this work of God that he is able to work in your life in a very personal and specific way. No matter what you have walked through. We want to pray this morning. And we're going to ask the Lord to give all of us clarity and peace. To know that what we have walked through in the past, that what we will walk through in the future, that we need not fear, we need not tremble, we need not turn aside, but God is working through it for his glory. If you need prayer this morning, I'm going to invite you to pray. Stand with me. The musicians will come. We want an atmosphere of worship and prayer that is here. But if this morning you are here and you are struggling, there's something that you're going through, you're trying to trust it to the Lord, maybe you have come and you have had people pray for you before and you say, I don't really know that anything really changed or anything really uh, was transformative. I want to tell you this morning, come again. Don't stand in your own sorrow, in your own pain. Don't walk through it alone. Let someone stand with you. Let someone pray with you and seek the Lord with you. God worked through the Roman government, the Jewish religious system. God can work through your circumstance this morning. God can sovereignly work through your circumstance and situation to bring good out of what you're facing. And so, Lord, today we commit this time to you. And I pray, Lord, that by your merciful hand that you will work, Lord, and do only what you can do. In a gathering such as this, Lord, there are hurting people. 
And as we have said before, we pray that you bring broken people to this church because we ourselves have been broken people. So this morning, if you're here and that's your story, you are not alone. You're not alone in brokenness. You're not alone in your trial. You're not alone in trying to figure out the call of God on your life, what God is speaking to you, what direction he's asking you to go. You're not alone in that. There are those who have walked through that, those who are walking through that right now. The enemy will desire to completely isolate you. Sometimes it's important to rest among friends. So today I invite you to come. If you're weary, you're burdened, you need help, you just need someone to care, to stand with you, come. Let the grace of the Holy Spirit through the ministry of God's people work in your life. come as we worship together. Worthy of every song.